Hi, and welcome to the Hollywood Dreammaker Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Gallo. I'm a 35-year veteran actor. I'm the kid who came out to Hollywood with 200 bucks in my pocket and a one-way ticket when I was 18. Didn't know a soul out here, and I've been living my dream ever since. I've had an amazing career. I've been an Academy Award-winning film, blockbuster film, hit TV series. You name it, I've done it, and I got the IMDb credits to prove it. Six years ago, I opened up my own school, the Manhattan Actors Studio, where I found my true passion. That's teaching the craft of acting, but I'm only teaching the craft of being the guy. Success leaves clues. I know how to make dreams a reality. I did it for myself, and I do it on a daily basis for my students, and I can help you achieve yours. Welcome to my podcast. Let's get started. I'm super excited to introduce my guest. He is a multi-talented veteran of the entertainment industry. He's an award-winning actor. He starred in many TV shows like Fox's New York Undercover, Showtime's Resurrection Boulevard, Fame, Head of the Class, to name a few. Some of his film credits are A Few Good Men, Fast Forward, Alive. He's appeared on Broadway in the revival of West Side Story. He won a Dramalogue Award for the Best Actor for his work in a stand-up tragedy on Broadway. He's appeared in many music videos. He even danced with Michael Jackson in the iconic Beat It video. I want to welcome Michael DiLorenzo to Hollywood Dreammaker Podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here, Billy. Man, I'm, I'm blessed. Welcome, brother, man. It's, it's been a minute. <laughs> it, it has been a minute, man. It's good, good to see you, man. It's good to see you, man. You look great. Well, really, I know you're a busy man, and I know you got a lot of stuff on your plate right now. But thank you for taking the time to, you know, do the, the podcast. You know, I created it to inspire young artists to follow their dreams. If a kid like me from Brooklyn, New York, who come out to Hollywood with 200 bucks and a one-way ticket at 18 and making a career in Hollywood... For a kid like you from the Bronx to, to come out and make, you know, have an amazing career. If we can do it, so can you, the listeners out there. If you have this dream in your heart and it's your passion, then you go after it with a vengeance and you can make that dream a reality. So, Michael, as you get started in the business, can you tell me how you went from a kid in the Bronx to, you know, being on TV shows? How did that, how does that happen? There's a couple of stories. One is my mother and my father who were incredible people. My mother saw how kind of hyperactive I was and always, I think, time that the Jackson 5 would come out with some songs and I would always dance and, and run around and act crazy. And so then she decided to put me into to learn flamenco dance. So I started taking every Saturday with Tina Ramirez at the old Ed Sullivan Theater, which is where they filmed The Tonight Show, right? Because they have, it's, it's a huge building that the Ed Sullivan Theater is in. And they've got all these rehearsal halls because back in the day, all the Broadway shows would rehearse there before they went to Broadway or any of the acts that The Tonight Show or Johnny, you know, anybody that filmed in New York, that's, they, they had the rehearsal studios. She had a dance studio there, not a very big one. And my mother took me. And so I started taking, and I think after the second class, the teacher, Tina, came up to my mother and all in Spanish said, listen, I want to start teaching in private. And my mother goes, oh no, I barely can afford, you know, the, the regular classes. She goes, no, 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 no. This will be a scholarship. You don't have to pay anything. I just want to make sure that, you know, because I get all these boys and they come in for a little bit and then they get scared or intimidated because they're, 
there were no other boys there doing the class. So they feel like, oh, what am I doing here? And so she started giving me private lessons in flamenco. She also, the other blessing on the, on the other side of that is she also had a twin sister that was Coco Ramirez, who was a ballet teacher. And she started giving me ballet lessons. So, you know, not to bore you with all the details, but push comes to shove. I really loved, I really excelled at dance. I love flamenco, but I, I really love ballet. And then Coco said, I think he's good enough to get a scholarship with George Balanchine. And I don't know if you know who George Balanchine is, but George Balanchine was the founder of School of American Ballet, which is at Lincoln Center. So at Lincoln Center now, but before they had, while they were building Lincoln Center, they had a, another studio. So I got a scholarship at this prestigious ballet company, ballet studio. I fell in love. I mean, I was in love with flamenco and then there were so many different uh, genres and then I fell in love with ballet. And, and really, honestly, what I thought I was gonna become was a ballet dancer. How old were you? Well, I was six and a half when I started. I was seven and a half when I started like serious ballet training. And then nine and a half when they kicked me out. <laughs> <laughs> Why they kick you out? <laughs> I was, you know, you gotta understand that George Balanchine and School of American Ballet is very Russian based, right? So just go back to the 60s and remember how Russians treat their athletes in, in gymnastics. Mm. There's no joke. In other words, dance, dance, the things, you know, the things that we would have to do. That, listen, I've had chairs thrown at me. Wow. So, but every mother that watched that chair being thrown at you said, well, what were you doing? Are you paying attention? <laughs> you know, it's a different time. I'm not condoning. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't saying yeah. I was fast enough to duck. Yeah, well, back in the day, mothers threw chairs. <laughs> you know, yeah. Or chant class. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So, so, but it was always, everything that, that's happened to me has always been, somebody said, it's always a blessing in disguise. I, I, every accident that I thought was a tragic moment turned out to be a door that opened for me when that door closed. How I got into acting, how I got into singing, how I got into directing. How did you get into acting? I'll tell you. So fast forward, there's a couple of things. Obviously, doing stage when I was in West Side Story and, and understudying Chino. That was one of the introductions. How'd you get in West Side oh, Story? I mean, how oh, I... Okay, well, all right. So let me go back. So I got into performing arts, right? So I was a, a I got into performing arts as a ballet major. So you mean and the school, the actual school that... The that... actual school. That, that they made fame, the TV series yeah. about. So, so you actually to, went to that school. I went to that school. It's on 46th wow. Street, or was. So after I got kicked out of school of American Ballet, I went to New York School of Ballet with Richard Thomas and Barbara Ballas, who were my teachers. Now, you know, you know the Waltons, right? You know Richard Thomas, the actor, uh -huh. who played John Boyd. Yeah. His father and mother were my teachers. So, and, and the other funny story, my first foray, into realizing, man, about acting. My first time on a set, Richard Thomas was hosting the Mike Douglas show. You remember the Mike Douglas show? Cause you're, sure. you know, yeah. And he brought, so I was dancing with his sister and another guy. And he brought us on because he was, he was co-hosting that week and he got to bring on his guest while he was doing the Waltons 
because he's a big star. You know, the Walters was huge. Yeah, John Boy. So got to dance on the Mike Douglas show. They flew us out here, and we stayed at his mansion. And then he took us to the set of the Waltons, and I was just like, wow. <laughs> you know, the thing in me, in every Bronx, wherever from New York, well, you can do it, I can do it. And it just sparked an idea in my head. It wasn't, you don't realize the things that may, the obstacles that will come. You just go, do you know when you know somebody, you just think, oh, well, I could do that. It takes a lot more than that, because as you know, fast forward back, so I auditioned one summer. Here's the blessing in disguise. My freshman year, I was in the senior concert. No freshman has ever been in the senior concert in performing arts. And two of the people that got written up were me and one other guy, right? In the times. So I'm thinking, okay, that's all I'm gonna do. So I go on tour and on tour, when I come back at 14, I ripped my cartilage in my knee. And the doctor said, you're never gonna dance again. So I was like, I was in the hospital and they did an arthroscopy, which was brand new at the time. And I was contemplating life, like, what do I do? At 14. <laughs> 14. I was like, my life is over if I can't dance. And because I went on tour, performing arts basically kicked me out because they don't want you to be on, doing anything professional. So I went to a private school. And in that private school, two of my classmates were Lawrence Fishburne and Ralph Carter, who was on Good Times. Mm -hmm. Lawrence Fishburne. I just come back from doing Apocalypse Now at 16. Which he was great in. <laughs> Brilliant, right? And this is during the time that I'm recuperating. And the doctors told me you'll never dance again. So I'm going, I, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's that young vibe. You know, like I'm from the Bronx. Like, yeah. Just pull me in, coach. I'm, I'm <laughs> you know, not understanding. There's a wonderful thing about being young because truly you can do anything you put your mind to you really can this is why I, I did your podcast because i know you put it to people who go like if i can do it you can do it but you gotta you gotta put in the work yeah you know absolutely. and you have to have the fiercest of desires and so i have been um so fortunate that just being around people and just absorbing being able to watch as a dancer right i get to absorb and be on set and then see how that is done see how that is done so it was one of the best schools to be a part of because i was always in the mix i was never the guy i was there to learn and to watch so after that happened right at my senior year in in high school at at, at this uh, private academy lincoln square academy which is no longer around I went to an audition for an open call for West Side Story, right? I hadn't danced in like two years, but my technique and my, you know, I had incredible teachers, right? I did really amazingly well in the audition. They called me back for this, that, and the other, for the acting, for the thing. Didn't do well in the acting, didn't do well in the singing, didn't do well in the other, but I was so far and above everybody else dancing. They were like, well, we'll put them in. And then I got to be on set with Alan Parker, and Louis Falco, who was the choreographer, and Alan Parker was super amazing. 
super prepared, but he also had had this gift of, and, and you could see why he picks the people that he picks is that he didn't work with a lot of professional actors. He worked with the talent that fit the role. And that can be good and that can be bad, but in other words, he was really, they were really good at casting. So everybody that they picked, I got to sit on set and just watch. And I was in awe of the set. It was so, so large. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like when I first, one of my first experiences as a dancer was, I danced with Rudolf Nureyev. And then later on when I was 14, before I hurt myself, I danced with Bershnikov. Wow. At Rudolf Nureyev, I danced at Lincoln Center at the Met. And I don't know, you know how big the Met is, sure. right? Huge. And I'm 10 years old and we're doing Sleeping Beauties and I'm a page. And it was fascinating. It was large. It was bigger than life. And the, and the characters and the dancers and Rudolph was bigger than life. You just appreciate the grandiose of the stage and how powerful you have to be to command a stage that big. What kind of personality? What kind of technique? What kind of anyway? I'm yeah. So, so that's some serious training you had there as a young dancer. Let me yeah. ask you. Growing up in the Bronx, yeah. Oh, walking around with a pair of ballet yeah. shoes. You know, no, no, no. <laughs> you know. I mean, I know growing up in Brooklyn, you know, uh, you, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't have, all right. You know. So, so, so I'm, I'm gonna put that all in perspective real quickly. Two things that I had really wrong. I went to public school up until, and in high school, you know, PA was a public school. But also, I sucked my thumb till I was like 12, 13. So I had buck teeth, right? I don't know if you remember, and you don't see these very often. I had a head brace. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I did, you remember those, right? <laughs> I had. Now, imagine a head brace, ballet slippers and tights in your backpack. You are the kid they want to bash. <laughs> uh. The only thing that saved me was my brother was a state champion wrestler. Oh. Always like three years ahead of me. So when I went into his school, he was about to graduate, but I had a buffer that first year. And then it was all bets <laughs> off. And then when I went to junior high school, I had a buffer for one year. And then all bets were off. But uh, I thank God for the family that I have because my older brother was, you know, the best older brother you could have because I was definitely a target. Yeah. Well, listen, I know what that feels like. I remember my mother got me braces. I didn't have the wire thing, but I had the train tracks. And I remember I went to school and I was the new kid in school and in this Catholic school. And I got bullied and I got, you know, on top of that, she gave me I had glasses and the braces. So I literally stepped on my glasses and broke them. And then I came, I came. Um, I came home and I locked myself in the bathroom with a pair of pliers and wire cutters. And I spent hours taking these cement, it was cemented on. I removed all my braces. I came out, I, I put them on my kitchen table, all the metal. <laughs> and I told my mother, you put them on, I'm gonna take them off again. I got my ass kicked, but I never got braces again. <laughs> oh my, well, you, you got great teeth. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks. So you went to the, actual school performing arts the fame school how did you get fame how did you get the role on fame that iconic movie and, and then the tv series well like i told you yeah it was my senior year 
at LSA and I read <laughs> in the trades. I don't know whether it was show business, you know, like, I don't know if you remember, they had these, they had, there were two papers in New York that would list all the auditions. Sure, the backstage. Backstage. Right? Backstage yeah. and uh, what was the other one? I think it was show business. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So. And there was an open call for dancers for an undisclosed movie in the middle of winter. Open now, call. What? Open call. So there's hundreds. No, I don't have an agent. I didn't have nobody. I just went. And there was already 600 people online. And this, I was at 9 o'clock. I came in and I got there at 9 o'clock thinking I'm going to be early because the audition is not until like 10. People were there since 6. There was 600 people online. And you got cast. And I got, I, I was fortunate enough to get cast. Yeah. That's amazing. So when did you get bit by the acting bug? And would you know, like, okay, well, this is the path that I want to be on? You know, listen, I was, uh, I got bit, you know, the minute I was on set, listen, I did a, a commercial when I was 14. And it was, funny enough, a ripoff of West Side Story. And it was like, when you're a scout, you're a scout, all the way from your first merry badge to your Eagle Scout days. When you're a scout, you got brothers around, you're a family man. You know, and it, that was, it was to promote the Boy Scouts. That's so awesome. They, they asked two dancers to, to do a, a parody of West Side Story to be a Boy Scout. Is that how so you got your was, SAG card? No, no, because I was, you know, I think that was my first real job. I think my, my SAG card came when I did famous TV series. Because what they had at the time, when we were doing Fame, the series, when I did Fame, the movie, I was a dancer. And then I got my equity card with West Side Story after Fame, I did Fame, the movie, and then I left right before they did the, the, the finale, the big, the big graduation scene. Yeah. And I went to another open call that I missed, but they let me come in for the callback, and, and luckily I did well enough to get in it. Jerome Robbins and Leonard Bernstein and Stephen Sondheim and Arthur Lawrence all were still alive. And Jerome Robbins said, "Wow, he's in. I don't care who else, but he's in because he was a dancer, right? And he could tell that I was a ballet dancer and he was a ballet dancer. So it was a. So then when I got that, I really got, you know, Fame High School. You saw all the actors and 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 there were a lot of amazing people in in my class, but I was in the dance department." And then when I got to LSA and I saw Larry Fishburne and Ralph Carter, I'm like, oh, that kind of made me start thinking. And also I hurt my knee. So I'm like, what am I going to do? And I came to the conclusion, I'm like, well, let me try this. Let me try this acting thing. Not knowing anything, really. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But what's great about dance is to be a really, really good dancer, you have to be supremely observant. You have to watch. You have to watch everything about someone, which is not, and you have to emote without saying anything. So it, it prepares you on certain levels to act. Absolutely. That's wonderful training. I mean, I, I tell my actors all the time, they want to really observe, you know, behavior, people's, 
know, how does it look at that person walking across the street? What are they wearing? You know, because all that's data in your active toolbox. One day you may play that character. You may steal that wardrobe. You may steal that accent. You may, you know, borrow from this and that and that. It's all observation, you know, and really saying so much without words. You know, I do a lot of exercises here at the studio. They're improvisation exercises, but I give the actors a scenario, but they're not allowed to say any words. They have to play the scene without any words. You know, so it's behavior. So, you know, observation is a great tool for actors. So you had that training. You had your acting training early on. That's amazing. And you yeah. trained with some of the best. I mean, dancing with Barishnikov and, you know, some of these dancers is, is an awesome training. So, you know, that training helped really tr- helped you as an actor. Now you're in the acting business. You did fame and, you know. Well, I'm in and I'm not because we did the movie. Then I did West Side Story and then they decided to make the series of fame. So here's how I got my SAG card. We did fame, the series, and, and I really was only contracted to be a, a dancer. Now, also, it wasn't under SAG. It was SEG. We were under an extras contract. It's pretty abysmal in terms of payment, right? So dancing 10 hours at least a day to 12, we were getting paid like, like being an extra. But I was because I, I got a lot of feature dancing parts and I would get a lot of fan mail and then they decided to give me a couple of lines. And here's where, so I'll give you the math. As a dancer at the time under the SEG contract, I was paid $235 a day. I said like three lines, maybe two, you know, basically like a, a glorified co-star, not a guest star, just like, and I got paid a thousand dollars for forty-five minutes. I'm like, hmm, mm. <laughs> this, this is interesting. I didn't hurt myself. I just spoke. They treated me good. I had my own dressing room. I wasn't in a locker room. But you know, fame was an incredible training ground because I got to watch so many wonderful actors and performers. Yeah. So naturally gifted people. And just be there and get paid to just be in the background. So I never look at it. I look at it as, oh, this is what I mean about blessings. Sometimes it's a blessing just to be there. Yeah, it's on-the-job training. Yeah. You're getting paid. You know, you're there. Oh. You can really observe, you know, and being in oh. that environment. You know, I tell my actors all the time, yeah, you definitely do some background work, you know, get that experience. I mean, yeah, you do get treated like cattle. Yeah, you, you know, they treat the actors better and you guys have to be in the stable over here. But just being in that environment, being around other actors, being on set, it's just a great experience. I agree. Any opportunity anybody can get to just watch is a gift because then you, you learn so many things. You learn the etiquette, the protocol. You learn about the marks which I had no clue about, right? You learn about, you know, but as a dancer, you know, you're very observant. So like, I know how to, that's, that's all good to me. You start to learn, you know, camera left, camera right. This little technical things that we, after a while, take for granted and you just be, but when you're brand new to it and, and you watch people and, and luckily, there were many people that were very kind to me because I had a lot of questions. You know, some people were not so kind to me and like, shut up. I'm like, all right. Because I was always curious. They're like, what are you doing? What, why is the camera doing that? Why? 
you know, and this, why are you doing this? You know, because that's how you learn. Yeah. Asking those questions, you know, what kind of lens is that? How tight is this? How do you know? I mean, you really want to know. I'm afraid to ask questions, even when they said, shut up. Yeah, I mean, here at the studio, I I teach all that onset etiquette, you know, stuff that, you know, in acting class, they don't teach, you know, the business end of it, you know, how to hit a mark, what's your eyeline, your frames, you know, how to not to not to shadow another actor, you know, you know, the, the technical things that, you know, or even like getting a fight scene, you know, I mean, when I first came out to Hollywood, I, you know, one of my first acting jobs, I had a fight scene. And it's completely different from you know when you're really fighting on the streets, and you yeah. know it's easy to get hurt. It's it's a dance. It's choreography. You got to really know how to do that. So if you don't know how to do it, you can get hurt. And I've been I've worked with some of the greatest stunt choreographers and stuntmen in the business, and I've gotten hurt. You know when I punch somebody in the stomach and they go like this, like and and they headbutt me in the face and break my nose, and I'm off to. Uh, you know, a hospital or, you know, Arsenio Hall once forgot his choreography, hit me in the face with a flashlight, busted my lip, you know, I'm off to the emergency room. So even with professionals, it's easy to get hurt. But, you know, learning all that stuff on set, the technical onset etiquette, you know, quiet on the set, just all that stuff that they don't teach you in acting, you know, in school. So the no, way you learn it is on set. Yeah. And, and it's such an interesting thing. So if we go a little forward and then when I got that part and little parts here and there and, and it was absolutely mind-blowing and wonderful and after it's also about okay what what happens now right so I've been after fame I did beat it I did a lot of Lionel Richie videos and whoa, whoa, you know let's not run over that one okay let's not run over that. <laughs> <laughs> you, threw the, you threw that one away I'm, I'm gonna be quiet Go ahead, all right it. so 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 beat it so beat it I mean I remember it's I don't know 1983 I'm yeah. in the height of my juvenile delinquent years I know I want to be an actor but I'm I'm kind of lost on the streets and I'm in this club called changes and they got this big screen tv and they had a world premiere of this music video and it was the beat it video there you are dancing with michael jackson and i'm looking and, and i'm like that guy kind of looks like me you know <laughs> i'm like he kind of looks like me man i was like inspired my shit if that guy can do it i can do it <laughs> you yeah. know you later i was off to hollywood that's good yeah. So what, what was that like? I mean, you know, working with Michael Jackson, dancing alongside him. I mean, the, some of the choreography is amazing yeah. in that. Michael Peters choreographed that and Bob Giraldi directed it. Bob Giraldi was a humongous, like, commercial director. Now, he was a catch because, obviously, back in the day, before Michael, videos were like, in a director's mind, lowbrow. You couldn't get a great director to do a video. He was one of the first with a budget that had a budget to do a video. And so Beat It was one of the first videos off that album. It was before Thriller, right? And Michael Peters directed one of the episodes that I got to star in on Fame. Now, I had been friends with Michael Peters and Michael Peters was like, he was like a mentor. He always was like, you know, do this, don't do that. You know what I mean? He was a cat that's been around, seen everything. He had done Broadway, he had done a lot of things and he appreciated my dance. So he called me up, I want you to come down, I'm doing this rehearsal, I'm gonna do this thing. He doesn't tell me anything about it. And then we got, I think like two days of rehearsal, I'm working with somebody, but I can't tell you who. Then we go down to rehearsal and we're like, oh, it's hmm. Michael. And Michael is on point, amazing. Like I say this because he's, 
first of all, one, he's naturally gifted and he's truly a meticulous artist in terms of his singing, in terms of his musicality, but especially when it comes to his movement, everything that he does is thought out, precise, and he rehearsed it. He rehearses it on his own before he even gets in front of any of us because he knows that these, Michael's bringing in professionals. He's bringing in winners. And, and Michael smashed it, smashed it. And those two days of rehearsal, and then we went down to, sh to film it. Where'd you shoot it? We shot it downtown, downtown LA, in these warehouses. And amazing. And then they brought in real gang members to be in the background on a lot of things and a lot of these cats that were street dancers as well. And of course, Eddie Van Halen playing guitar, right? It, it was an amazing experience over two nights, I think, that we shot there. And incredible. Wow, so really dancing opened up so many doors for you because, you know, here you are, you, you, you're doing this pretty much an extra role, a backup dancer on fame. They like you, so you're professional. You're, they, they, they kind of bump you up. They give you a couple of lines here and there, right? And all of a sudden, that extra role starts becoming a character. You work with the director. He really likes your, your, your talent, your dance, whatever. Now he's directing a music video, and he says, Michael, why don't you come over here and, and do this? You know, that's work leads to work. You know, sometimes doing that role for no money, doing that background thing for whatever, you know, 200 bucks leads to that role where you get a couple lines to the thousand. And then it leads to the role where you're actually working with a, a huge star and it's relationships. It's getting to know people and they know you and they like you and you got a great attitude when you show up to set and you're professional. Well, and, and not to interrupt you, but the other thing that was really tantamount and, and to this, this whole story, being on time, doing your homework and not creating, don't be a diva. Be on time, do your homework, don't be a diva. That's great advice. Because there are a lot of divas in this business. I mean, I've, I've been in this business for a long time. You've been in this business a long time, you know, and I'm sure you've worked with a lot of divas in this business. And no, and, and, and I'm gonna be honest, I'm a diva, but I'm a diva <laughs> in this sense. I want you to be on time, just like I'm there early. I want you to know your lines, because I already know mine and I know yours. And so that we can get the work done, because when we're both in sync, man, we can create magic because we're not figuring it out for the first time. Mm -hmm. You've done your homework. I've done my homework. So when we come, we, the first couple of times, it's, it's, it's cool. And then we can go, let's, let's just play. Let's just see where it goes. Well, that's the key. You said play. That's what it's got to be. It's got to be play. It's got to be fun. If you're in your head, you're dead, man. If you're worrying about what your next line is, what's my next line? You're not in the moment. You're not reacting. You're not playing. It's not, it's no fun. So, you know, it's all about preparation. The more prepared you are, the better you're going to be. The more fun yeah. you're going to have. You know, you, if you don't prepare, you've prepared to fail. <laughs> you know, that's it. Hey, that's a great saying right there. Yeah. And I say it all the time. I tell my actors all the time, you have to be prepared. And you have to be on time. You know, even in an audition, if you show up late to my audition, guess what? I'm not giving you the part. You know why? Because if you're my principal actor and you show up late to my set and I, I have 150 technicians that are being paid and I can't film anything because you're not on my set. No, I mean, listen, I've dealt with it as a producer. You know, I've had actors show up to my set, disappear or whatever, and they've cost me a lot of money. It's all about being on time. How about being there early? Casting director, if somebody sees you there early, you also, oh, wow, he's early. I like that. 
They're going to remember that, you know, you get, you want to get a good reputation in this business. You know, you did, you had an amazing, you have a great reputation in this business because, you know, you got how many freaking series you've been on? I mean, you were on, you were on fame. You did head of the class. New York Undercover, Resurrection Boulevard. Resurrection Boulevard. New York Undercover. I mean, yeah, I mean, you've had multiple series. Let me ask you, I mean, with along with those series comes fame. Yeah. Right? And how do you deal with that fame? I mean, how did you deal with the fame? There are moments where, I'll tell you, <laughs> let me put it in perspective. <laughs> my father, rest his soul, he's, he's passed, so is my mother. I flew him out here when I was doing head of the class. I had I'd also flown him out when I won the award for stand-up tragedy. He came out, my mother got come out teaching. So we're walking through Westwood. Now, I've got a little bit of fame, right? I'm on head of the class. And we're walking across the street and three girls, it's UCLA, three girls, they're like, oh my God, this is Lorenzo. And I'm looking at my dad like, see, I told you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> What's up? You know, I'm, I'm giving, because my father is like, he's a good looking gentleman. And I'm big enough, like, see, Dad, I'm the man. So as we walk by, they walk by, like, oh my God. And then as they walk by, as we walk past them, one girl goes to the other girl, he looked better on TV than my dad. <laughs> <laughs> my dad, well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> So in other words, I definitely, you know, someone told me early on, and, and this is such a cliche, but that's the reason why they make sense, which is if you believe all the good reviews, you got to believe all the bad. And I try not to look at it that way. I look at, I want to surround my, myself with cool, loving people, that people that are honest with me and I can be honest with them. And, and you know, my, I had an incredible, I, have inc- I had incredible parents that are always still with me in my head. I have incredible brothers and sisters, and I have a few really good friends that are super kind to me and loving and are generous with their truth, right? So, you know, there are many times when you think your shit don't stink and they will bring you back. (laughs) And there are times when I feel lost and they will go, remember who you are. Yeah, you know, you need those people. You know, it's the roller coaster of a business. You know, it's the it's it's the highs and the lows. It's feast or famine. It's you know, it's rejection and you know, fame. It's yeah. it's it's a crazy business. I mean, I know for me, and I had my TV series. I mean, I couldn't walk out the door, man. I was like the Fonz. You know, like I want to. You know, well, you have <laughs> you were on the the Tony Danza show. The, yeah, the, who's the boss? Yeah, I mean. Uh, which was, at the time, the that, big, the biggest TV show on the biggest air. TV show on the air. Yeah. Then you had your own series with Matthew Perry, which is amazing, right? I was like, wow, amazing. I don't know how that that must have felt because they totally were grooming you to be the next. Which which show are you talking? About? Both shows. <laughs> Both shows yeah, yeah. 
you were absolutely phenomenal. Arnold. Well, thank you. You know, there, there, there were there were great experiences. Who's the boss was me a guest starring role on a show. You know, I came on and I, I guest starred on the show and they liked what I did. And I they like I was there on time. I was professional. I was likable. I had a can do attitude. Yes, sir. Stepping in, stepping out. You know, I'm, I've always treated acting like the military. I'm not the actor that goes off into his dressing room and, you know, I'm, I'm standing by, man. I'm like, yes, sir. Stepping out, you know, we'll get second team in here. You know, I'm always, if I got to walk somewhere, I make sure I tell an AD I'm going to be over there. I'm going to the craft services. I'll be right back. Interesting. You bring up all that stuff because that's all the little things that you can't be taught. In other words, that's, I mean, you can be taught, but I mean, it's like the set etiquette, making sure the AD, because I learned many times the hard way, Early on, luckily it wasn't, I wasn't the main guy, but ADs don't play back in the day. They were like sergeants. <laughs> Their job is to corral the, the actors, corral the, the set, so that the director can come on and it's set and ready to go. You know, and you have stand-ins and this and any other. And it's an amazing thing about set etiquette. Yeah, it's really important. You know, I had a young actor that, you know, I, I've been, you know, I get them all the time. They come, they knock on my door. They have a dream. They want to get started in the business. They don't know how to get started. And, and by the time I'm done with them, you know, they're working actors. And so one of my young actors was on, he got his first acting job on set. And he told me, you know, what an incredible experience it was. And he said, I, when I was walking away, I heard the the director and some other people saying, I can't believe it's his first acting job. He's like a pro, you know? And that's because he was trained well. He knows, okay, you know, how to hit a mark. What's my eyeline? What's my frame? You know, what to do, what to, not to do. You know, when they sit quiet on the set, you know, shut up. You know, so he knows all of that stuff. And it's really important for, for actors to know that if you can't do that, if you're like making noise when they're rolling camera or you're not prepared, or you don't know your lines, guess what? They're going to replace you. They're going to find another actor that will be prepared and knows how to be quiet when they say, you know, quiet on the set. So what, what advice would you give to somebody, young actor, dancer that wants to get into this business? What advice would you give them? I don't know if I have the best advice because I think every path, like your path, my path, my path has been like this constant roller coaster ride of change, right? Obviously my biggest gift, learning to adapt and learning and being open to get to learn. I mean, I'll give you an example about, you know, like you said, I got a lot of guest stars early on, right? I was working, but I was going up for bigger roles that I never got. And my ego at the time was, I, I know how to do this. I know how to do this. And then a friend of mine said, hey, man, you should come with me to this acting class. Because I hadn't really, I had taken classes when I was younger, but younger, younger. And I, I said, I'm dope. What are you talking about? I'm dope. <laughs> and he said it to me, right? And he mentioned this school. I was like, you know. And then my agent said, you know, I've been going up for leads in, in shows or this or movies or this, that, and the other. And I was always coming in second place. I was never closing. And 
Then my agent said the same thing. He goes, there's this acting crew school. I want you to go. And it was the same place that my friend said. And I was like, okay, that's a sign. And, and, and so I went. It was Meisner. It was Playhouse West. Because, see, yeah, there's a lot that we can do just on, on bravado. And I could get to the surface of many things, right? But to go deep and to be consistent, meaning like there's something about technique, and this is what I tell people, is that technique is there for when you don't feel it. Sometimes you, you read a role and, and it just incubates in your body and resonates out. And it's just meant for you, right? And then sometimes, you know, this is why training is 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 in anything, just like I trained as a dancer, you have to train as an actor. It's not always about, it's being able to learn and to tap into the things when you are not in the mood to tap into them, mm. right? And once I started, it changed, it changed. I learned how to go much deeper than the surface that I was presenting. It was always there, I just didn't know always, sometimes you're scared, right? And I learned with Meisner and that's what really touched me. And you can learn whatever, whatever technique anybody uses, but it was an, a lesson to put my ego at the door, which I'm always good to do, but sometimes you forget the lessons that you even tell yourself that you learn. And learning, being open to learning and to absorbing and to taking in and shut up, let me listen. Then all of a sudden, when I was able to be vulnerable mm. and let it be what it is, as opposed to, you know, it's it's like sometimes I was like, what? You know, what? You know, you're 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 projecting something, but it's it's not real. It's it's a surface moment. Yeah. So that comes from vulnerability and, and your soul. You gotta you gotta tap into your soul, your <laughs> vulnerability. Yeah. And your vulnerability is your strength as an actor. You know, a lot of a lot of actors. You know, that's that. That's what what I do here is I dig deep, man. I don't want to see anybody act. I want you to see be truthful. How do you substitute? How do you personalize? How do you take your soul and give it to the character? And you are enough. You are perfect just the way you are. You don't have to add any more salsa to your taco. Your taco tastes good just the way it is. Look you at know? that. That's incredible. What you just said. What you just said is exactly right because it's not. You don't have to add anything to it. Yeah. Just you, the best you. Yeah. Tap into the things that sometimes may scare you that that hardly anybody gets to see. Yeah. And then, then you you got me. Then I'm just like, I'm watching. That's your superpower, man. Your job is to make them feel, man. How do you make them feel? You bear your soul. You take your truth and you leave it there for them on that film, on that stage, or whatever. And they feel that because yeah. it's not acting, it's real. You know, you're loading it up with your soul, your truth, everything that's ever happened to you in your life, the good, the bad, the ugly, all that shit. That's your gold as an actor, man. And you got to take that and hand it over. And if you can be vulnerable, that's truly the, you know, you make people feel. And then when you make them feel, they become fans of your work because they felt something. That's why people go to the movie theater, right? They want to feel, right? They want to, they want to laugh. They want to cry. They want to be scared. They want to feel something. So that's, you know, as an artist, that's your job is to make them feel and bear your soul. You taking that class, right? And then, because I remember back in the day, you know, as an actor, you know, we all kind of go out for the same roles. You know, there was a certain group of actors, oh, yeah. you know, when there was a certain role, you know, Latino, they're looking for a young 
gang member or whatever, you know, there was that certain group of actors, you know, that we saw all the time, you know, me, you, Ray, Oriel, you know, just, I remember Danny Nucci, yeah. you know, the, the, all these actors and you, you, over the years, you're auditioning each other over and over and over again. You, you get, you know, you get, become friends, you know, I mean, I mean, Ray and I worked on one of my first acting jobs on an episode of The Judge. We played two gang members, you know, 1985, you know, that's when we met and, you know, but there was always that competitive thing. Always. Yeah. yeah. You know, because, you know, but you were always working, you were always booking jobs, you know, it was like, oh, shit, Michael's, well, Michael did that, or Michael did this, or Michael did that. So whatever you learned it's to tap into your vulnerability, it's, it started working for you because you were, you were working a lot. You were hot, you know, it was like you were the guy to go to. Okay, Michael DiLorenzo. Yeah, let's get him. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. But it really, it really, it really transformed my acting, just learning at least the technique that when you're not when you're not feeling it. It's like so many times I would get so close. I remember I was up for tour of duty with Luis Antonio, right? And this was before I started going to class. And it was about Vietnam, right? And just and any other. First of all, I came in dressed all wrong. He came in like, bam, for real. And then right when they called him, he goes into the bathroom, douses his face with water, comes in like he's sweating from the jungle. Who got it? That's such a valuable golden nugget you just dropped there. And I and I tell my actors all the time, man, don't leave anything to their imagination, man. You got to bring that freaking character in the door. I remember when I go on uh, like military roles, I'd come in with my jeans and my T-shirt, my sides in my back pocket. I'd sit in the chair. You know, there was nothing military about me whatsoever. But then I got hip and then I started going, OK, well, I shaved my head and I put on combat boots and you know dog tags and i came in sitting at attention i'm serving up military i got that part and i was like wait a second you know your job is truly to show them the character bring the character into the door so they see it don't leave it like oh i wonder what it would look like show them serve it up for them that's how you make them change their mind that's how you go maybe they're like another guy and then you walk in the door and it's like no it's that guy yeah because you're showing them the character Love that. Yeah. So, so a lot has changed since we got into the business. Yeah, completely. I mean, it's a completely different business. It's, it's changed drastically. How, how has it changed for you? Well, you know, I learned so many things. I've been writing a lot. So, I mean, I love acting. Don't get me wrong. But I also, you know, I got a chance to direct. And I directed on Resurrection. I directed a couple of movies. And I directed a couple of shorts and a lot of music videos. And I love I honestly love being behind the scenes. I love actors. So I love being able to find a performance. I also love writing. So I've been writing a lot and directing a lot. So for me, the change, you know, this acting is, is my, not my first love because dance was my first love, but, and I love music. So I'm like, listen, in my brain, I'm a Renaissance man and I love the arts period. And I always look at it as a math equation that I have to solve. I'll never get to the end of it. It's like pie, it just continues. But learning is, is really my journey. So my journey is constantly learning. So you, you see in the background that I have a studio. So I, I do voiceovers here and I do you know, my music here. I'm constantly writing. I'm working on a project right now called Gotham City Voice that is near and dear to my heart. I've been directing a lot of music videos. I love the puzzle of it all. And I love what we do. And when I was doing everything that I was doing, I, I, 
when I got into directing because I was working with some bad directors <laughs> and I would see my performances getting ruined and I'm going, why did they do that? Why did they? And so I had to learn. I said, okay, I'm going to watch and I'm going to watch. And you can learn just as much from the bad directors as you can from the good directors. And I learned from both. And I went, oh, that works. That doesn't work. And I also learned that you can craft something out of nothing. Love that. I'm a super sensitive individual. So when I see something, it, it just, sometimes when I see an injustice, it, it just, it lives with me. It's sometimes I'll watch a video or a YouTube thing or something on TV and I'm like, oh. And then it takes me down a path of, so why did this happen? What's the moral of this story? And that also takes me on the path of like, okay, how could I tell this story through my lens? It's like acting, you know, I mean, I got a chance to play my first real, outside of fame and outside of dancing. So I got a chance to work on Miami Vice the very first season. I remember that. <laughs> the last episode, and I played Dennis Farina's son. Most transformative first job for legitimate, because one, Dennis Farina was the, the greatest. He looked, he, amazing. And he looked just like my dad. Do you ever work with somebody that instantly just pulls you in? Sure. Right? I've got two stories I'm going to tell you that will blow your mind. That was one of the, John Nicolella directed that episode and he was a producer. It was the very last episode. They threw out the entire script and said, I want you guys to improvise. And it was really about a, a father who bought his son, but was never around. He was a mafioso and he was about to turn state's evidence in witness protection. And we were trying to convince him to do that to save his life. Because if he didn't, they want to kill him either way, because he knew too much. But his code of honor present would not let him do that. So he was basically, we had this long scene where we walked on this. He called me up to meet him at this track. And we had to improvise and come up with this whole scene. And what was so wonderful was that he was so giving. And he reminded me so much of my real father that it, it just, to this day, it just instantly touches me. Do you know when you can feel that connection? Sure. I didn't have to act. It was... It's magic. It blows my mind. So, two stories. So, one of my other first movies, I worked with a very famous actor, and this is two stories right now, who basically took all my lines that I had in the scene and said, no, 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 he has too much to say. I'm taking that, I'm taking that, I'm taking that. So, when I came to the set to do my scene, he goes, no, 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 you're not doing that anymore. And it was like, how does that happen? You know, who, who? I want names. Who did that? <laughs> Again, names. So, Tom Cruise, no, <laughs> Jack Nichols. <laughs> no, no. So, the next movie I do, it was with James Woods and Brian Denny. And I'm playing a low level drug dealer trying to be a big time drug dealer. It was called Best Seller. Nobody saw this movie. But anyway, this, I got a mad funny story. So, my scene was at the end of the movie, and the whole premise of the story is that James Woods' character is a writer who's basically doing a story on writing a book about this cop and his life. And Brian Dennehy is the cop about to retire. And so my scene, I have this whole long monologue. I'm trying to become a big time dealer and sell to what I think is another dealer in Brian Dennehy. And now from this last experience that I had, I'm like, come and prepare. 
you ain't taking shit. I got my sh like I'm I'm angst. I'm ready to fight for mine, right? And they sit me and down with Brian Dennehy, and it's just me and him at a table in a restaurant. And I'm like looking at him like, try it, right? First thing he says, he goes, uh, so how do you want to do this? And all that shit went away because he brought me in. Mm -hmm. It wasn't there. It was like two actors. He goes, I respect you. Like, in other words, he didn't go, you're the day player and I'm the star. He went, the only way this scene works is if they believe you, then they'll believe me. But if they don't believe you, they won't believe me. Love that. And That's he what it's all about. He had basically two lines and I had this long monologue and he didn't even mess. He just put me at ease and let me be and just was right here. And you couldn't help but be right there. Magic didn't take us but boom, boom, boom and over. Yeah. Now, the addendum to that scene is I'm dating a girl at this time and the movie is coming out. I'm going to. I said, I, don't, I didn't get an invite to the premiere. I'm like, what's up? And I'm like, what's going on? But I'm going to go anyway. I'm going to go to the movie theater. I'm like, I said, yeah, I'm in this movie. I'm in this movie. And so I'm going to watch this movie. Bestseller. I'm like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, you're going to see me. Watch this, watch this. Movie's going. Movie's going. Where, 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 where's your seat? I don't know. Come, come, come. Boom, 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 boom. We get to the end. The credits are rolling. My scene is cut. Uh, <laughs> looking at me like uh, that's funny I'm like, no, for real, I was in this movie <laughs> well listen that happened to me in Pretty Woman you know I mean uh, it, it was, yeah you know it was you were in the movie though yeah but I had I originally it was called 3000 it was a much darker film about drugs and prostitution I had a you know it was a big role I was the drug dealing pimp you know and then yeah. you know how they had test screening audiences you know for oh, yeah. movies well somebody said hey man there's a movie the test screening whatever and it's called Pretty Woman and it's with Richard Gere and Julia Roberts directed by Gary Marshall I went whoa 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 wait that's my movie man I got I gotta go so I snuck into the movie because, you know, actors aren't allowed to go to this thing. And I'm watching the movie and, you know, my, my first scenes in the movie and then everything else was gone. I was like devastated, man. This is my first. Oh, but, you know, that's the business, man. It's the, it's the, the exactly. I, I mean, listen, it's the key to to survival is, is put your, leave your ego at the door. I mean, it's good to have a healthy ego. We have to have an ego. It's, it's the artist in us that we have to have an ego. We have to be protective of the art as much as we can, right? But you also have to learn to be flexible. So if you were to go back, right, and you can give your younger self some advice, what would it be? Do exactly what you did. I mean, there's nothing I could, I could change or would want to change. I mean, there are mistakes along everybody's path, but some of those mistakes, I wouldn't give up because I learned so much. And I am the man I am today because of those mistakes. I've gotten better. I've learned from them. Love that. I, I hear you, man. It's all the shit that happened had to happen. It happened, it happened you know, to make, like for me, I, I had my past, the story of my past, all the stuff, whatever. All of that used to, I used to think it happened to me, but now I realize it happened for me. It was all a gift because it made me the father I am today. It made me the teacher I am today. It made me the husband I am today. It made me You're the man I am today. Let me put it to you this way. I will just tell you that. You are really talented. Well, thank you, brother. So are you. You're multi-talented. I mean, when, when, when God was giving out talent, he gave me, he gave me the acting thing, but he gave you 
the dancing, he gave you a little <laughs> acting, he gave you the singing. You got sprinkled with a lot of lot of talent there, multi-talented, Michael. And I'm really, I can't wait to see what's next for you because I know it's just a new chapter, you know, with your directing. I wish you the best yeah. of luck with that. I wish you the best of luck with your, your projects that you're writing. I think you're super talented and you're a good guy, man. That's why I wanted to have you on my podcast. Oh, man. Thank you. Appreciate be part, it. Brother. So once again, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on and sharing your gold and your wisdom. And yeah, uh, I hope I wasn't boring too much, but you know. No, I know there was some beautiful stuff, some gold. That's what it's all about is dropping those golden nuggets for the next person. So if somebody listens to this and they, they get that one golden nugget that helps them get further, faster, get to their dream or or they don't let an obstacle stop them from going where they got to go, then we've done our job. That's what it's about. If I can t- we can touch one person's life, I'm a happy man. So take care, Michael. Send you lots of love, brother. And I will talk to you soon. Lots of love. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Please rate, review, share this with your friends. Subscribe if you haven't. Please take whatever you get from here, the golden nuggets, and apply them to your career. Go after your dreams with passion. Don't let anybody tell you it can't be done. I believe in you. Follow your dreams. I'll see you in Hollywood.